This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, the Bible tells us, the book of Deuteronomy is basically Moses' farewell address to the children of Israel. He's been their leader. He's with them all the 40 years in the wilderness, and now Joshua's about to take over. And so uh, he's telling the people what to do and giving them an admonition just before he goes off the scene. Now, I'm going to read from uh, the uh, Septuagint. This is Brenton's Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the, of the Hebrew. It's the Bible of Jesus' day. There are more New Testament references to Old Testament verses in the Septuagint than there is any other thing, which shows us the, the familiarity that the writers of the New Testament, including Jesus, had with the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew. So I'm going to start reading beginning in verse 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 7. Beginning in verse 11 of Deuteronomy 7. Thou shalt keep, therefore, the commands and the ordinances and these judgments which I command thee this day to do. And it shall come to pass when you shall have heard these ordinances and shall have kept and done them, that the Lord thy God shall keep for thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear to your fathers. Now keep that in mind. God's saying, I'm going to do this because of the covenant I made with Abraham. The Bible says the blessings of Abraham are ours. The Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, that we have a better covenant established on better promises. So this is an example of what belongs to us, but we've got even better than he's going to tell them about. Amen. Verse 13, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. And he will bless the offspring of thy body and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the herds of thine oxen and the flocks of thy sheep on the land which the Lord swear to thy fathers to give to thee. Thou shalt be blessed beyond all nations. There shall not be among you an impotent or a barren one or among any cattle. And the Lord thy God shall remove from thee all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou hast seen and all that thou hast known will he lay, literally permit, upon thee, but he will permit them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt eat all the spoils of the nation which the Lord thy God gives thee. Thine eyes shall not spare them and thou shalt not serve their gods, for this is an offense unto thee. But if thou should say in thine heart, this nation is greater than I, how shall I be able to destroy them utterly? God knows you're going to have situations where you're afraid. Thou shalt not fear them, verse 18. Thou shalt surely remember all that the Lord thy God did to Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. The great temptations which thine eyes have seen, those signs and great wonders, the strong hand and the high arm, how the Lord thy God brought thee forth. So the Lord your God will do to all the nations whom thou fearest in their presence. In other words, being afraid did no excuse for not going forward and standing on the word. Being afraid doesn't mean the word won't work if you keep moving forward. Verse 20, and the Lord thy God shall send against them the hornets until they, are, until they that are left and they that are hidden from thee shall be utterly destroyed. Thou shalt not be wounded before them because the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is a great and powerful God. And the Lord thy God shall consume these nations before thee little by little. Thou shalt not be able to consume them speedily, lest the land become desert and the wild beasts of the field be multiplied against thee. Literally, God's saying, I'll let you take it piece by piece so that the people that are there can keep the land going for you until you take it over. And the Lord thy God shall deliver them into thine hands. 
And thou shalt destroy them with a great destruction until you have utterly destroyed them. Now look with me over to chapter 8. He's continuing to talk. Let's begin in verse um, 6. And thou shalt keep the commands of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Notice it's all based on the word. It's all based on keeping the word. For the Lord thy God will bring thee into a good and extensive land where there are torrents of waters and fountains of deep places issuing through the plains and through the mountains. A land of wheat and barley where there, wherein are vines, figs, and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land on which thou shalt eat thy bread with I'm sorry, a land on which thou shalt not eat thy bread with poverty, and thou shalt not want anything upon it. A land whose stones are iron, and out of its mountains thou shalt dig brass. And thou shalt eat and be filled, and shalt bless the Lord thy God on the good land which he has given thee. Take heed to yourself, that thou forget not the Lord thy God, so as not to keep his commands, and his judgments, and ordinances which I command thee this day. Lest, when thou hast eaten and art full... And hast built goodly houses and dwell in them. And thine oxen and thy sheep are multiplied to thee. And thy silver and thy gold are multiplied to thee. And all thy possessions are multiplied to thee. God seems to be into multiplying. That thou should be exalted in heart. And forget the Lord thy God who brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage. Who brought thee through that great and terrible wilderness. Where is the biting serpent and the scorpion and drought. Where there was no water. Who brought thee a fountain of water out of the flinty rock. Who fed thee with manna in the wilderness which thou knowest not. And thy fathers know not. Remember the word manna means I don't know what that is. God saying you still don't know what that is. Neither did your fathers. That he might afflict thee. Verse 16. That he might afflict thee and thoroughly try or prove thee. And do thee good in thy latter days. Notice the affliction that he's talking about is not something that's evil. It's something that brings good. Well what is he trying to prove them to know? Verse, eight, verse 17, lest thou should say in my heart, my strength and the power of my hand have brought for me this great wealth. In other words, he's saying the reason I gave you manna every day and the reason I gave you daily provision is so that you'd know it wasn't you, it was me. And that'll serve you well in every aspect of life. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God that he gives thee strength to get wealth, even he even that he may establish his covenant, which the Lord swear to thy fathers at the, as at this day. Now notice it starts with talking about, I'm doing this because of the covenant, and he ends up by saying, I'm doing this because of the covenant. Now notice what we saw. We saw that it was a land that was a good land flowing with milk and honey, olive oil and honey, wheat and barley, corn, all kinds of good things. God says uh, that he wants them to build goodly houses. He wants them to have plenty. He wants them to eat, with, eat their bread without scarceness, King James says. No poverty, no lack, an abundance. Now, the Bible says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises, as we referred to a minute ago. Why would God want his people today to have less than they had in the Old Testament example of the New Testament union with God? He talked in the Old Testament about their covenant being not permitting any of the diseases upon Egypt or any of the other diseases that they know about upon them, but they would come upon those that hate them. Why? Because the word makes the difference. The covenant makes the difference. It's keeping of the word that makes the difference. So if we operate according to the example and keep the commandments of the Lord and obey his commandments, we can walk free from these things, poverty and lack and sickness and so forth. We can walk free from these things today 
by fighting our faith battles and taking possession of our promised land. And that's what the whole story of Israel is about in the wilderness. Now turn with me to the book of Joshua. I want to, we want to talk this morning about the promised land blessings. There are four uh, promised land miracles, excuse me. There are four of them that we want to look at. Now in uh, Joshua's day, Joshua's instructed the Lord to be strong and of good courage. You've got to fight to fight. As a Christian, you've got to fight to fight. That's the fight of faith. It's not a fight against people. It's a fight against the enemy and the resistance thereof. And so he told him, be strong and of good courage. Here's how to win the battle. Make the word a part of your spirit. Meditate in the word. Be a doer of the word. That's how you can take possession of what belongs to you. So they come to the Jordan River. They send two spies over into Jericho. The city that's got great walls. Now, archaeological excavations and so forth tell us that Jericho was a city that had a, 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 an 11-foot stone wall that was 14 feet at the base. Now, that, was, that had earth built up behind it and everything so that on top of that, there was a 35-foot wall that was at a 35-degree angle. Well, what is that? That's 46 feet. And then on top of that, there's another wall, another stone wall that goes up higher. Now, we don't know how high the stone wall was. Some people have estimated it to be as tall as a 100-foot wall. That's a 10-story building. At any rate, it's certainly an intimidating proposition for Israel to be able to get in and take possession of this city. It's got the most fortified wall, the most fortified city of anything that we have record of in Scripture. So the two spies come back, tell Joshua what everybody has said. Joshua knows that... That, okay, now's the time. And then God begins to speak to him about how to take the city, about how to go into the promised land. The first problem they've got is the Jordan River. The Bible tells us that it's the time of harvest. It's in the spring of the year when the Jordan River overflows. Something you need to know about the Jordan River is it starts in the northern part of Israel in Mount Hermon, which is, um, uh, let me make sure I've got these numbers right. Mount Hermon is 9,000 feet above sea level. So the Jordan River starts at the top of Mount Hermon, 9,000 feet above sea level, and it travels all the way down to the Dead Sea, which is 1,400 feet below sea level. So you've got a 10,400-foot drop that this water is moving. By the time it gets to where they cross the river there by the, the city of Jericho, it's right close to the Dead Sea. It's one of the times, at least at this time of year, where you've got pretty much a Category 4 rapids. I mean, this water is swift moving. And as a result, it's one of the defenses that Jericho puts its trust in. They built close to, the, to, close to the river, just close enough to where the flood doesn't affect them and damage their walls. But they're close enough to where it's a secondary defense. So they've got the wall and they've got the river, and they're trusting in both of them. So God speaks to Jericho, or God speaks to, to Joshua about taking Jericho. Let's start reading in verse 14. Of chapter 3. Well, no, let me back up a little bit. Let me back up to about verse 9. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby shall you know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel. Out of every man a tribe. Every tribe a man. Excuse me. 
And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above. That means further north in the river. And they shall stand upon a heap. Now, folks, if you back up a little bit, you'll find that the Lord says in verse 7 and verse 8, The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. What does that mean? We can look at that in a general sense and say, Well, God said he'll be with you just like he'll be with Moses. But if you're Joshua and you've been spending 40 years with Moses out in the wilderness and you've seen the plagues in Egypt, you've seen the death of the firstborn, you saw the Red Sea part, you saw how God dealt with Moses at the Red Sea parting, where Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, then turns to the Lord and the Lord says, what are you crying to me for? Why aren't you doing something about this? It seems to have had an effect upon Joshua. Now, the children of Israel did not learn the two lessons that, it, that Israel was supposed to learn. First, to believe God's word. And secondly, to be prepared for war. Joshua did. Because you'll find that Joshua does most of these things. The miracles that are taking place are more at Joshua's word than they are at God telling Joshua what to do. So when he says, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, Joshua knows whether we recognize it or not. Joshua realizes that these are the situations where God got on to Moses for not stepping up and using the authority that he had because God had put him in place. In other words, sure, I'm the power behind the work being done, but quit looking to me to do it. You do it yourself and I'll back you up. So here's what God said. God said to to, um, uh, Joshua in verse 8, And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water, you shall stand still in Jordan. After that, Joshua starts talking to the people. We don't see that God said anything about standing the waters up in a heap. Now, it's possible that it's there and that that's what happened in the Bible doesn't tell us. But why would the Holy Ghost leave that out? This is Joshua's account. Why wouldn't Joshua tell us everything that happened? Now, I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking, and that is that God really meant, as I was with Moses, I will will be with you. So you take your position of authority and use what I've given you. And he says, once the priests come into the edge of the Jordan River, stand still. Now, the, the, the Jordan River overflowed its banks because of the time of harvest, So he's not talking about stepping into the river. He's talking about stepping into where the water, the water's edge, far away from the riverbank. The water's not moving fast there. So he says, very simply, let them stand with their feet in the water. That could have been 100 feet away from the the riverbank. It could have been 500 feet away from the riverbank. I don't know how far it was. There's no way for us to tell. But wherever it was, just put your feet in the water. So you got these priests standing there with the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, being carried by the sticks that go through the rings in the side. And all they're having to do, all they're supposed to do, is put their feet in water. Make sure that their feet are wet. From that point, Joshua says, and here's what will happen. God will cause the waters to be cut off from the north, even upon the, the, they'll stand up in a heap. The Bible tells us that it had happened 20 miles north in the city of Adam. This was not God making a path like the Red Sea. This was the waters being cut off from 20 feet, 20 miles north in the city of Adam. Now, some people will say, well, but there's something you're overlooking there, Pastor Mike. See, in the city of Adam, there have been seven times in the last thousand years that there have been mudslides and the Jordan River has been cut off. 
And that's true. It's historical fact. But I don't have a problem if God cut the waters off with a mudslide. Isn't it a coincidence that it happened just as the priests put their feet in the water? See, when God does a miracle, he uses some means that we can either identify, and sometimes it's a natural means, but it's still a supernatural and spectacular, a miraculous origin that caused it to happen to begin with. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Join us Easter Sunday at Foothill Family Church as Pastor Mike Webb will bring a message about the hope that Jesus can bring. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. We'll have two services on Easter Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Here's Joshua. Let's go back to what Joshua said. Joshua said that it shall come to pass, verse 13 again, as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, that the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, that means the edge of the water that overflowed the banks, that the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overflows all his banks at the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, very far from them in the city of Adam is literally what it means, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, the dead sea, failed, and they were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over under Jordan. Now, put yourself in the position of Jericho. You've been afraid of these people for 40 years because you heard of it. Nobody saw it, but you heard of the Lord parting the Red Sea. Now these same people come 40 years later, and the waters of the Jordan River are cut off. Now here's the significance of the miracle. You remember in, uh, in the Exodus miracles how God executed judgment? There were nine, uh, nine plagues and the death of the firstborn. Each of those plagues was an execution of judgment upon one of the gods of Egypt. You remember that? Well, the Canaanites, people in, in uh, Jericho, worshipped the god of the, of the Jordan River. They considered Baal to be the god of the Jordan River. He was not only their fertility god, but he was the god of their provision. Now here's the god of the Israelites doing the same thing to their god as they heard about happening with the Red Sea and the exodus from Egypt and so forth. So this is a judgment against the gods of the Canaanites. Now, then the next thing that happens is they camp for a couple of weeks on the Jericho side of the Jordan River. God instructs uh, Joshua to circumcise the people. They set up a memorial there. They do different things to, uh, to prepare themselves before they get ready to go out against the, the city of Jericho. Again, all these are, are intimidation tactics on God's part against the city. 
Now that brings us to the next miracle, which is the walls of Jericho. And you know the story there. It's in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They're expecting to be besieged. Now, a siege was a, a common way to, to attack or, or wage war against a fortified city in those days. And um, uh, one of the ways that, uh, that you did that is you shut the people up in the city. You didn't let anybody go in or out. You tried to cut them off from their food supply and so forth. The problem is this is harvest time. This is not the time that you would be attacking a city because they've got the biggest stores of food and water and everything else that you could possibly have at any other time of the year. As a matter of fact, the archaeological digs and excavations have found that the city of Jericho was burned, just like the Bible says, and grain stores were burned, and foodstuffs and all that kind of thing are, are in abundance in the, um, uh, in the finds that they've made, the diggings that they've made, because it happened just the way the Bible says. This is not a siege, although that's what they're prepared for. Now, if a city is going to be besieged by an army, there's a couple of ways to, to do this. Either, number one, you can starve them out, and if you're the right time of year and you're in the right situation, maybe that's the easiest way to go. Or secondly, one of the ways that the Roman army used very often was that they would build up these earthen ramps. And so you get a lot of people, you get a lot of soldiers killed, especially when you're going against the wall of a city or something like that. But they'd build these ramps so that they could go in and over the top of the walls. Because in most cases, trying to defeat the walls itself was a futile effort because you didn't have the machinery and things you have today that might do anything about it, and, and, uh, and so forth. Well, Jericho is probably expecting one of the two. When they don't see any kind of earthen ramp starting up, they just see them camped out there, they're probably expecting to be sieged. They're probably expecting to be starved out. Well, they can last forever. They can probably outlast the Israelites because of the harvest time, the time of the year that it is. So they were shut up. Nobody came in. Nobody went out. Verse 2, and the Lord said unto Joshua, I love this verse of Scripture. Please make a notice of this. Here's a city that's shut up. They can't get in. The people aren't coming out. There's no way in. And God says, see, I have given unto your hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Now, folks, if I'm Joshua and I look, I'm going to think all I see is a city that's closed up tight. God says, see, I've given it into your hand. Verse 3, and you shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Literally the word flat means in its place. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the, tr- with the trumpets and with the rear guard came after the ark like priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. Verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people. God didn't say one word about this. Here's Joshua operating on his own initiative. Why? Because he knows where these people come from. 
So Joshua adds something to this. He recognizes that he's got a say in this. He's got some responsibility in what's done and how it's done. He's not violating anything that God commanded him to do, but he does add to it. Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. That would include speaking or talking. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. Joshua knows when that day is going to be. Seven days from today. You can't talk for a week. Now, this is not just not talking while they're walking around the city. He says, no word shall come out of your mouth until I tell you. He's not coming back in the afternoon saying, okay, everybody can talk now. He realizes that the, the key to this, the key to being successful and taking the city of Jericho and defeating the, the, uh, the enemy, the walls of the city and so forth, he knows the key is not just what God said, but to keep the people on board with what God said. He remembers 40 years earlier or 38 years earlier. He remembers Numbers chapter 13 where they came to this edge of the promised land once before and the people started talking against God's promise. So what does he do? He shuts them up. Now you cannot tell me he gets everybody in faith. He just gets everybody quiet. And folks, you need to understand something. Faith operating in the smallest measures, the tiniest, tiniest part if it's the only thing that's said, will work. What doesn't work is when it's overcome and, and countermanded by words of doubt and fear and unbelief. But you can take the smallest amount of faith and, just, and express that, say that, and then stay quiet, and it'll work. Why? Because you have what you say. You don't have what you think. You don't have what you're afraid of. You don't have what you... What you do anything but say, yet you have what you say. I'm reminded of, of uh, uh, Jairus that came to Jesus. You remember the story in Mark chapter 5? Jairus comes and says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay hands on her that she'll live and not die. Well, Jesus is on the way to Jairus' house and the woman with the issue of blood shows up. And man, she takes forever. She tells the story. 12 years, suffered of many physicians, spent all that I had, nothing better, but rather grew worse. I heard about you, so I came, started saying, if I can just touch the hem of your garment, I'll be whole. While she's yet speaking, somebody comes back from Jairus' house saying, it's too late, your daughter's dead. Jesus immediately turns and says to the father, be not afraid, only believe. What does that mean? Shut up. Don't say a word. Why? Because the faith you exercised before is still working. Don't let the circumstance change what you're saying. So Joshua tells the people, you can't talk till I tell you. Now, I don't know if he told them up front it'll be for a week. Or if he just says, you can't talk till I say so and, and leaves it at that. They may be sitting around the campfire at night wondering if I'll ever be able to talk again. We don't know. But Joshua knows something. He knows that if he lets the people start talking about how big the wall is then even though God says the city is ours, we won't take possession of it. Can you see the examples for us to follow? God's word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. He's bigger than any other God. He's bigger than any other enemy's defense. And he'll stop the operation of the earth, even the universe itself. Why? Also, that he can make good on the covenant that he made to Abraham. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.